The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Hour two, Chuck Oliver Show on a Wednesday. Hope everybody is having a wonderful, wonderful day. A.O. Chuck is here. Uh, I'm about uh, the least um, AOC, whatever, but the initials fit. Um, But it comes off that way sometimes just because I try to present sort of a, not even like a a wider view, but just whatever your view may be if you think you disagree with something. That's all I do. Believe me, I was raised as Deep South, old school Methodist. My mom, God bless her. Um, But it was, get in church or I'll break your neck. And so, I mean, I was, yeah, believe me, I'm, I'm with you when it comes to just straight down the line and, you know, flag and God and everything. I was, how I was raised. If you have seen, however, what's going on with Deion Sanders, um, in Mississippi, prayer plays pretty well, like very well. In fact, out West. No, not as much. If you haven't seen this, um, Deion Sanders, he's at Colorado now. And he always talks about God and prayer and where God has led him. And he said it led him to Jackson State, said it led him to Colorado. Uh, It's going to call him somewhere else, I believe, after two more years, I think. I think that's what God's going to tell him. And Deion, Coach Prime, whether it was the Dion Academy, which I don't think was open much, when he was coaching whatever it was, youth ball or high school or whatever, I don't know, was he a lay coach? I don't know. When he first got into coaching and to where he is now, it's always been bring it up, take a knee, and then one hand goes up and Coach Prime starts to preach him. And that plays really well in Jackson, Mississippi, But it's not that it plays well. It actually is well in Jackson, Mississippi. If you care, just by information, Mississippi is the most religious state in the union. Uh, I think the percentage is like 77% of respondents count religion as extremely important to their daily lives. Colorado, not quite the same high numbers. So, in a letter dated January 24th to the University of Colorado Chancellor, uh, a left-wing liberal group, and there's a bunch of them and a couple of them are involved here, and I'm just saying that to save time. I got no comment. I'm just telling you what's what here. Uh, They sent a letter to the University of Colorado Chancellor and also copied the athletic director because Dion has after workouts. He showed up at Colorado. He got hired, like, I don't know, 
first or second week of December, it's time to start changing things. And he told the kids on the roster, he's like, you may want to transfer because I'm bringing in a lot of kids and y'all haven't been real good. So whoever was there in January and started working out, Dion's putting out stuff on Instagram and an improve. All right, guys, bring it up. Bring it up. Take a knee. Dear Lord. And then what follows is Dion preaching. The letter states that Dion is engaging in inappropriate and unconstitutional actions by engaging in religious exercises with players and staff members. Um, December 20th, staff member led other staff members Christian prayer, started an official meeting. Uh, January 16th, Coach Sam, like they have a full accounting of Dion getting his prayer on. And they wanted to stop yesterday. Now, when I said it plays well in Jackson, Mississippi, I wasn't to say that it's anything less than genuine. But I'm saying this letter was not going to arrive when he was doing that in Jackson, Mississippi, even though it's the exact same thing, whether it's his staff or a bunch of college kids or whoever, and at the end of the meeting or the practice or the workout or the community project or whatever it was, I've said, all right, guys, bring it up. Bring it up. Take a knee. And one hand goes up, and there you go. Well, in Jackson, Mississippi, nobody complains about that. Or if they do, or if they have a complaint, they may not actually voice it. In Colorado, there's not as much hesitation. The point that I would like to ask you to just at least consider is imagine if it were like the other way around. Do you know what's that religion? Um, Kabbalah? The people I've heard it called that made up thing Madonna's part of. I don't know about that. My understanding of Kabbalah is they like take like pillars of the Jewish religion and add like incense and put Dreamweaver on the cassette player and get into the mysticism of Judaism. That's my understanding of Kabbalah. I don't know that. I've never been to a Kabbalah service, uh, but that's some people's religion. Imagine if a football coach in Jackson, Mississippi, at the end of a practice or meeting or workout or whatever, all right, guys, bring it up. We had a great workout today, and start one hand up, and he starts giving a prayer based around the principles of Kabbalah there would have been a complaint and a reaction in Jackson, Mississippi. It's just that in Jackson, Mississippi, Dion was talking about the supreme being that either most of us are on board with in that environment, or we know that so many of us are on board with that, yeah, I'll probably just keep going my way. In Colorado, if something happens you don't like, well, you speak up a lot more often, especially about this. There are multiple... I, civil rights groups, I think. Is that civil liberties groups? Is that it? Whatever the proper word is. Complaining about this. Dion could have been the head coach at Jackson State from now until, like, the earth had crumbled into dust, and I don't believe there would have ever been a complaint about Christian prayer. And I certainly wouldn't complain about it. And when I first saw this story about what's going on in Colorado, I looked at it and was like, oh, y'all, hush up. The truth is, if, like, I was still coaching, on a staff, and that happened. I'm going, what are you doing? I'm having a little like a prayer or Kabbalah. Um, most of these kids don't believe. You just don't know. 
So that's what's going on with Dion, and it's it's going to be a thing. And when I say it's going to be a thing, uh, it's going to be a thing that I believe kind of comes to an end, um, or will be it will have to be seriously uh, not serious, wrong word, uh, blatantly labeled as completely voluntary. And this is just what some of us are doing. You don't have to be here, and. You're going to have to have a structure of five minutes, like the meeting, coach's meeting starts at 10. If you'd like to be here at 9.55, we're going to have a moment. Or the coach's meeting is from 10 to 11.15. From 11.15 to 11.20, we're going to have a moment. If you schedule it and say you can either show up early or you can leave after, that's what's going to have to happen. But Dion, he's the head coach of the football team. So the geography, it does determine Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more college football conversation. I promise you that. It's always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show continuing on this Wednesday. And we're going to be talking State of Texas. We talked University of Texas yesterday. Taylor Estes was on. We're going to talk State of Texas with Mike Craven. We've had him on before. Senior writer Dave Campbell's Texas football. So uh, we will explore out from city of Austin throughout the rest of that state. And there are, I think they have 12 Division I programs, FBS programs in the state. And so there's a bunch to talk about. If we're talking about Clemson for 2023, I have an observation that I don't know how much it's jumped out to me in recent, I don't know, 15 years or so. Not quite that long. It's been a minute. I was looking at the Clemson football schedule, and they're in spring practice right now. They've got a spring game about a month away. It's on the 15th, so uh, April 15th. And I was looking at their schedule for 2023. And I made an observation that while accurate and while valuable, while important, while it is something that you absolutely do want, it's not something that I know, I I think I've noticed to this degree or put this much value on in a while. Look at the Clemson football schedule. One of my takeaways, because I was actually thinking about the whole, the South Carolina matchup was the whole point of this. And I expanded out from there because Notre Dame has rotated on and it's at Memorial Stadium. And I've even got some personal family history with the, you know, Notre Dame in Clemson. Uh, Go back to maybe it was 77 or 78 they played there. And so Notre Dame's coming and That's just, I mean, you remember that. That's that's when the fair came to town. That's just a big, big deal. And that's what happens this year on the home schedule for Clemson. They get to play Notre Dame. So South Carolina's on the road, but Notre Dame's in. I'm like, what else you getting for your oh? <laughs> what else you getting for your money? You're getting the Charleston Southern Buccaneers. And the Florida Atlantic Owls, first year under our friend Tom Herman. 
and you're getting Notre Dame all at home, and then you're getting South Carolina across state, which that's not an unpleasant trip. It's easy to get there. Well, that's it's easy to get there. Your, your routes are limited. Is it 26? But you, you get there, and you can get tickets if you want, and so you haven't been going the road. So maybe that's fun. But regardless of where it is, my observation it's like, wow, Clemson's staring at a 4-0 non-conference slate. I was like, eh, I'm not supposed to care that much about it. It's not supposed to be that. Like, what's the chance Clemson's going to have a 4-0 conference slate? It has not been an assumption because South Carolina has normally been, you know, it's, it's even in their worst times, the, you know, the resignation, and they, I think they even got shut out at home. It's still an SEC roster, and you still have 85 scholarships to an SEC program. So the presence of South Carolina, you always have to check. And then I would check, all right, is there a monster? Are they playing a Georgia in week one or two? Are they playing an out-of-conference giant opponent in week one or two? They have one of those games. Absent that, because this year that giant week one game, remember, they got the Labor Day game night at Duke. Different. I was going to say weird. Hey, okay, weird. Like, that's your Labor Day night? So it'll be rocking and rolling, and I think it'll be 48 to 14 at the middle of the third quarter, maybe. And Duke's way better, and they look well coached and all that. And I think Clemson is due for a bounce back. I think. But when I was looking at their schedule, I realized not only was I drilling down a little bit too much on this 4-0 and non-conference slate, but I realized that it was, because I don't count Notre Dame, and it's not really an ACC game. Um, I'm looking at the necessity of it. Uh, for Clemson, because the Duke game, yeah, maybe it's 48-14. to Maybe they get pushed. Florida State, all right, that's right, they're going to get pushed there. Next weekend at Syracuse? Wait, I mean, all of these are formerly matchups that you looked at and were like, uh, yeah, Clemson's about three touchdowns better. They're still better, but eh, all up and down that. They're at Miami. Miami's supposed to be better. NC State, Notre Dame, North Carolina. It's just the presence of a potential 4-0 outside of their traditional uh, ACC opponents that uh, really – it's it's it caught my eye how important and vital that is because if Georgia wasn't you know on the slate in week one, it usually was a four and zero. All right, I said we're gonna have uh, Mike Craven on. Is he ready? All right, Mike Craven uh, from Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Appreciate you. Didn't know you're on hold, uh, Mike. I appreciate you holding there. Uh, welcome to the program. All good. I was enjoying the Clemson conversation then. Uh, let's talk state of Texas uh, and outside because we were, had a little Texas day yesterday with the beginning of their spring practice. So we will go outside the University of Texas uh, and we're going to start in Texas A&M because there is a pres- same thing as Texas. There is a presumed quarterback there for the Aggies uh, this spring. Uh, what is the competition like uh, for Connor Wegman? really think there is any i mean if he's not the starting quarterback something went wrong you know he was he was recruited to be this guy this is the year they wanted him to take over i think he's going to get the bulk of the snaps this year for for bobby vitrino in the spring uh, to get him ready and it's a position that they haven't had settled probably in the whole time jimbo fisher's been there i mean kellen bond uh, ended up being pretty good in 2020 
Uh, but this is the first time that they really feel like they have a legitimate quarterback to go out there, and they have a plenty of targets around him. That offensive line should get bigger or should, should get better. Um, and so offensively, I, I think those are honestly, I think offensively, there's less question marks at A and M than there there than there is defensively. Yeah, and defensively last year, and I've talked about this, you know, elite talent but young eh, sits on sort of challenge, and that's what it was last year, elite talent but really young. I guess some of that elite young talent is back. Uh, what about the improvement potential uh, as we work through spring and get ready for the season? Yeah, I, those defensive linemen are going to be older, and that's going to help. You know, it, it, no matter how talented you are, when you're 18 years old getting blocked by 22-year-olds, that's going to be tough, especially in the SEC. Uh, but also year two under D.J. Durkin, I think, is going to help. When you watch A&M film, a lot of it isn't talent. A lot of it was run fit. So the defensive line, the linebackers definitely weren't on the same page. You know, they lost Mike Elko, who in my mind is one of the best defensive coaches in the nation. And they took a big step back, you know, and some of that was schematic. Some of that was coaching. Uh, I think being in year two with those guys, uh, as well as having those defensive linemen get a year older, having a birthday, I think they should be better up front. They were 123rd in rush defense last year. They were 101st in sacks. And so uh, they have to get better up front to be to be good this year. All right, well, let's go to TCU. Uh, whether it's the sidelines or the two deep, uh, it's not going to look exactly like the team that took the field uh, against Georgia. Uh, biggest change at quarterback and OC, how will the offense look? It's going to be interesting without Garrett Riley there. You know, I think he's a, you know an up-and-coming coach, obviously. Uh, but the, the, thing, the thing at TCU that's interesting to me is, you know, Chandler Morris won that job in the spring and in the summer. He was yep. the starting quarterback in game one. It's who the coaching staff really believed in. Max Duggan was going to be, you know, the backup, probably finish out that year and then go transfer somewhere to finish out his career. And, you know, an injury in that first game changed everything. Max had an, an incredible year, kind of a storyboard year. Uh, but they really believe in Chandler Morris. They think he's going to be an excellent quarterback. Sonny Dykes recruited him when he was at SMU and, and didn't get him, but now gets an, a, another opportunity to coach him. And so, you know, I think quarterback's going to be fine. For me, it's how do they replace those, those wide receivers? How do they replace Kendra Miller? at running back, who's going to be the guys who step up in the backfield, step out, step up at wide receiver to help him. Uh, th that's going to be the biggest question mark for me for, for TCU. Similar, uh, there's an exodus of a lot of talented folks, again, sidelines and the field with the Houston Cougars. What's possible for them as they transition to a bigger stage? Yeah, it's really interesting because they hired Dana Holgerson a few years ago to get them ready for this year. Yep. And after 2021, it looked like they were right on pace. You know, they won 11 straight in the regular season. They beat Auburn in a bowl game. And it's like, okay, Holgerson's got this figured out. But, you know, they took a step back last year. That, that eight-win season was a disappointment. They were supposed to compete for a conference championship and then just never really came close uh, to doing that last year. So, you know, it feels like kind of a make-or-break year for Holgerson. You know, he, he got a transfer at quarterback from Texas Tech and Donovan Smith. You know, I, I think the big thing positive for them is Alton McCaskill, their star running back, comes back from injury. He missed all of last year uh, to a torn ACL. So, you know, offensively, I think they're going to be fine. They don't have an OC right now, even though they're going through spring ball. So, clearly, Holgerson's going to be the play caller there. Uh, defensively, though, they were excellent in 2021. They were not good in 2022. They have to get going back on the defensive side of the ball or they're just going to lose shootout after shootout in the Big 12. Wrapping up, Mike Craven. Get him on Twitter at Craven Mike, uh, senior writer, Dave Campbell's Texas uh, football. Uh, when we look inside the proposed three uh, permanent opponents for each of the schools in the state, 
Um, I did want to ask you about the Arkansas-Texas matchup because how much history is the Texas fan base interested in when it comes to that series because that's got it in spades as much as anybody, but uh, how much does today's fan base want that matchup? I believe it depends on how old the person is that you're talking to. If you talk to my grandfather, even my dad, they really want Arkansas, right? I mean, that was a big game. You know, for them in the 70s and the 80s, even in the 90s. Uh, for people my age, not as much. Uh, but I do think Texas had the most obvious three, right? Like Oklahoma, A&M, Arkansas, yeah. call it today, move on to a different conversation. I think they nailed it with that one. I think that's going to be good. And I think once younger fans start getting introduced to that rivalry, maybe go up to Fayetteville and watch it up there and see how much Arkansas cares about it, I think Texas fans start caring about it too. And final question for you, if you could, because footprint of this program doesn't necessarily include Waco, so I don't know how how are the Baylor's going to look. Uh, the Bears going to look on defense is not the question. What uh, tell any Auburn fan or any fan who plays Auburn uh, what their new DC will look like? Yeah, I mean, I think with Dave Aranda, it's always going to look pretty similar, right? It's going to be that that three three stack defense, uh, big defensive linemen that take up blocks, let those linebackers run. Uh, kind of what TCU did as well with that flyover type defense that's taken over the Big 12. Uh, so I think defensively they're going to be okay. They're going to be pretty talented. The secondary is going to be pretty good. Uh, defensive line is going to be pretty good. they got to replace the linebacker. Uh, but for Baylor, it's going to be about the offensive side of the ball and what they're able to do. They did not believe too much in Blake Shapen last year. You can tell in the play calling a lot of times he wasn't given uh, a lot of rope there. Nope. Uh, but they're going to have to open that up a little bit for Baylor to be better than they were last year. But Rand has been there three years. Two of them have been losing seasons. One of them's been, you know, the Big 12 championship. So it's kind of been, you know, big or bust for them. They're going to have to see if they can get more consistency. Yeah, anything with Dave Aranda's uh, DNA on it, you're going to have a bunch of guys in two-point stances walking around. So um, <laughs> exactly. it's going to just look different and real hard to scout. So that's what Auburn's got ahead. Uh, Mike, thank you for your time, brother. Of course, man. Appreciate you. All right, Mike Craven, again, senior writer, Dave Campbell's Texas football. So, uh aranda again you know you hire someone who shares the philosophy and so if you haven't watched a lot of dave aranda you don't remember him maybe from lsu if you're an auburn fan there's your defense my guys kind of moving around and a little bit of uh the nebulous and the i'll say positional ambiguity uh but the flexibility behind that is is what you're after and so uh, again auburn's going to have that and it's going to require a lot of guys who can play multiple spots The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car-buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. 
And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout metro atlanta jim ellis automotive where you can always expect the best now back to the chuck oliver show on southern sports today oh we go here's all college football on chuck oliver show and ohio state they're having spring practice. I know that because I've seen Coach Ryan Day speak. And by the way, I'm going to get back to the football. The beard, it's just, he's better without the beard. Bad beard, bad beard. And beards can be fantastic. They absolutely can. Better without the beard. But uh, I've seen him speak about them practicing, and I, there's a quarterback battle. Every so often there's a quarterback battle at Ohio State. But um, just because you lose don't mean you lost. Hashtag. Joe Burrow. So Florida fans would love that to be how it turns out with Jack Miller. Not exactly the case, but they are practicing. And some of the stories at a place like Ohio State, is just like everywhere else. It's uh, who's not practicing. And among others, there are some running backs who either aren't going to practice or are limited or whatever. I will say this, and this is about this only this one position. If you're a running back on scholarship at Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, who I don't care if you get a single carry in spring. You need to work on blitz pickup and recognition and, hey, oh, that's where he came from. You need to work on helping your quarterback live. Other than that, I don't care if you actually touch the football one time the entire spring. And Travion Henderson's one of my favorite players in all of college football, and he's, quote, limited. So, whatever. Want to welcome on right now a guy? He's not limited. He's talking Buckeyes every single – the show's called The Buckeye Show. It's on 97.1 mm. The Fan and C-Buzz. Tim, how are you, brother? Tim Hall. Chuck King, what's up? Yeah, we're doing good. You know, today's one of those interesting days here in Buckeye country because you've got the faction of the fan base that is all football all the time. And I get it, man. You you guys have me on here. It's It's football, 100%. And I've always been the guy on my show that has argued it doesn't need to be just a football school, that it can be, it should be basketball and football together when you, pre, you look it up by any measure, probably one of the top 20 hoops programs of all time. Yeah. But you got a terrible season, and they're going today in, for the first time ever in the opening round of the Big Ten tournament. And spring football practice started yesterday. So the weather's been great. It's just sort of one of those natural transitions when – if the hoops team is terrible like they are this year, it's the perfect savior. And with the warm weather, I'm sitting here in the car, uh, pulled off in a mire, right? Nothing more Midwest than a than a mire. The mega stores out here, and it's just it's sun shining. It's 45 degrees. It tells you kind of what that April 15 spring game is going to be like. All the recruits that they'll get to bring into town. There should be you know 80 to 100 of them. And I, I mean, I think I saw that like 65 five stars are going to roll in through the uh, the doors at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center over the next several weeks. It's uh, it's a good time. Quarterback battle. You know, you, you don't want to lose a guy like C.J. Stroud, but you better come to grips with it because you're going to lose these guys. And if you get two years with a dude like that, 
you should feel lucky. And now it's going to be either Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. And I, I thought both young men were impressive yesterday when we got to chat with them. Yeah, you're Ohio State. You either lose Joe Burrow or you least lose C.J. Stroud. It can only happen, you know, a couple of ways. And, you know, they're yeah. all elite kids. Uh, talk Kyle McCord and, as you said, Devin Brown. Who is he wearing number 33? I don't – we're going to have to get to the bottom of this because, Chuck, I mean, you might know better than me with the college football jersey rules. I don't think you're allowed to wear 33. I know they loosen to some of these numbers, like receivers can wear, like zero is out there now. Yeah. Ohio State does a little blocko tradition where they yeah. they give they give a guy the the number zero to to wear in honor of Bill Willis, legendary player. But I I don't think an offensive lineman was able to wear zero because I think they they've only been doing it for three years. But I don't think an old lineman was even allowed to wear the number, so they no, kicked it to somebody number. else. Yeah, yeah, even though that he was he was kind of named that honoree for the Buckeyes. But I don't know if you could wear 33 when the season comes around. Ryan Day was funny. He said, I, I didn't really know who Devin Brown was honoring there. I just thought Larry Bird, like, think 33s, you think basketball, right? But he threw it back to slinging Sammy Baugh. So th- this, wow. is, this, is what's, this is what's crazy. Not to go too off topic here, but he, he mentioned Sammy Baugh, which I thought told you something about Devin Brown, the historian, right? Like That's put amazing. A check in the, yeah, put a check in the plus column for him. Then, like, later on while we're talking to Devin Brown, I heard you mention Jack Miller there, Buckeye transfer quarterback. He was kind of like the third dog in the fight at, at best when he was here. But Devin Brown, and I know we've spent some time in Arizona, he mentioned a name of a guy that really impressed him. He said he called this guy his idol growing up. He said the name Tate Martell. And a couple of us in the circles there were like, whoa, like that's a name here around Buckeye land. I don't know if you could throw out a guy that maybe had more hype coming into college football that did less and went more places than one Tate Martell from Bishop Gorman, but that was kind of wild. You had Sammy Ball on one side for Devin Brown, and then you had Tate Martell on the other side for him, guys that he looks up to. That is just that is real interesting for a kid from today because I remember, and you may remember this, when do you remember Devin Gardner came out that Saturday night wearing number 98? And yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Turns out they had to explain who Tom Harmon was. Uh, right. Which I, I was like, Maybe why do you put wear. him in that position? Why? I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, it, that was crazy when we saw 98 for, for a quarterback and everybody goes running to the internet, right? Like, what the, what the heck's he doing? What's Devin Gardner doing here? Oh, and then you learn about, dad. Yeah, you learn about the legendary <laughs> player and you say, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. I Look, I don't really – I don't really give two flips about it. Like, it, honestly, I thought it was kind of cool to hear Sammy Baugh's name. Yeah. Like, honestly, you don't you don't hear young guys anymore to the extent throw out their appreciation for the history of the game. That's why, like, I I do I do give you a little bit more street cred. You look at some of the better athletes all time, right, in their respective sports. I think most have that that appreciation for the guys that came before them. And with the Sammy ball, you're talking about way, way before you, but you know, I hear this just, you know, Kobe Bryant was great at doing that. Right. LeBron James was always great at doing that. Tyson was basically a boxing historian. Was Tyson good with that? I didn't know that. 
Yeah, Tyson would spend hours, like, stay up 2 or 3 in the morning watching, like, reel-to-reel old film fight films. And, like, he could he could probably go into court actually as an expert witness as opposed to a defendant. Um, if anybody, <laughs> like, the history of boxing was put on trial. Uh, that's an interesting sure. comment sure. from from Devin Brown there. I remember I was actually – I was covering Conference USA Media Days about 10 years ago. And they had, I'm not kidding, because Conference USA, they're like, yeah, we don't have any depth. Let's just pass it a bunch. And half the starting quarterbacks were on the Doak Walker Award watch list. And I asked every one of them at media days at the end of July, I was like, do you know who Doak Walker is? Not not one kid had any. It's like, yeah, I saw him nominated for that. What is that award? I was like, well, he was a quarterback. And and so, just again, that's an interesting thing about Devin Brown. All right, talk Travion Henderson. Talk the rest yeah. of the running backs, uh, your attitude, because when I saw if he's limited or doesn't play, I was like, running backs I don't care about. Uh, walk through that, because Mayan's a starter anywhere. Travion is a starter anywhere. Uh, just talk about him. I think that is maybe one of the spots on the football field that I am least worried about when you talk about running back. Now, you know, Mayan Williams, I think, showed us enough. Travion Williams – Fresh, sorry, Tra- Travion Williams, thinking Purdue basketball. Travion Henderson, he showed you enough in his true freshman season. And there, there's a little bit of concern, and I understand that with the durability. A lot of people seem to, in, in, in my view, it's incorrect. When you talk Travion versus Mayan Williams, there seemed to be this lightning and thunder kind of divvy up. You know, you see that a lot in football where you got the speed back and then you got the big bruising back. And you go, you go the Reggie Bush, Lendale White route, right? But I have, I can we can watch several clips together of Travion Henderson finishing runs with power and authority. And even when he was playing through some of his injuries last year, I mean, look, you go up and look up his stats, of course, like his sophomore season is going to pale in comparison to his freshman season. There's nobody in the world that would tell you that, you know, faster than Travion Henderson himself. So I almost look at this where JK Dobbins had a little bit of a down year because he was sharing a backfield with Mike Weber in his second year with Ohio wow. state. And he called that season, quote unquote, I think a pile of crap, or he just said it was a garbage season. So I think Travion shares a little bit of that same tenacity and that, that MO these kids, these days, they hear what you say about them. They're dialed into social media, whether they tell you or not. So I think he's going to emphatically want to have a better year to put himself in a position to, to get some money in the NFL draft. We know running backs aren't high value anyway, so you got to do something special. Mayan, same deal. Like the only concerns for these guys are injury concerns. I know they can do that. I, I, I've seen them do the work. I trust it. They've got other guys beyond those two. Evan Pryor, who's out again this spring, yeah. who really was one of the spring stars last year and then had the season-long injury. So if he gets healthy, there could be something there. And then there's there's even more depth behind them. you got, you know, Chip Trainum, who's been switching positions back and forth. But I, I'm not worried about it. I'm worried about offensive line, Chuck. And – that that's the thing that could keep this Ohio State football team from being a true national championship contender like they're usually like they're used to being, you know, starting oh. the season in the top three or five. Yeah, but there are a couple of NFL teams that appreciate the offensive tackles. Um that, that, that <laughs> yes, yes. That they are about they to need be blessed more of them with. though. Who, the, who do they have this year, though? Is Tegra Teshabola going to step in and be one of those guys at right tackle? Like, they, these names that we'd be throwing at you for tackle this year, you'd say, who? Who the heck are those guys? Like, And you uh, might need to go pour through the recruiting pages. 
Wrapping up, Tim Hall. Get him on Twitter at TimHall971. And I would be remiss because we have affiliates inside the state of Tennessee. Um, you didn't mention Aaron Hayden's kid, former Tennessee player, uh, Dallin Hayden, who he had to get some right. run at the end yeah, of the year. Yep. He had to, and you don't want to get to like fifth on the depth chart or bring a linebacker over. But uh, talk about what uh, you think of Dallin Hayden. Yeah, my bad. My bad leaving off our guy, Dallin Hayden. That was an interesting storyline last year with the usage of the running backs because he comes in there out of necessity, right? And you, you burn a red shirt. Well, I mean, you know, with the, I, I think he played less less games than uh, the percentages, whatever, so he could keep it. But the way that he came in and ran the football against Maryland, it had a lot of us scratching our heads as to why – they didn't go hard with him against Michigan the next week. If you remember, they went a little bit more with Chip Trainum, that lining back, the linebacker, the turn back, running back, who had the experience at Arizona State and is an Ohio kid. But Hayden just, they kept telling us over and over and over in press conferences with him about ball security. Ball security. Oh, you, you know, Ryan Day, the beard you mentioned, get up there. Oh, you got to protect the football, right? You know, first thing, first and most important thing for a back, you got to protect the football. Well, he certainly never brought any of that to the game because anytime that the lights were on and we saw him run the football, he was holding it high and tight. It wasn't like it, it looked loose on him or he was about to drop it. It looked pretty good. So there had to have been some things earlier in practice. And I can understand that a true freshman that really didn't have any ideas of playing that much in his first year. He, he's got some things to learn and work on, but when he got into the games, Goodness, man, that guy ran hard and he was fast. Not the biggest guy in the world, but also had some physicality to him. So just another one of those guys. You're right. He he would be the third guy. Like I would say, you know, you have Travion, you have Mayan Williams, Dallin Hayden would be the clear third. And then you do start wondering about transfer portal stuff. With some of these guys that have some good film that you know did a lot of good things. If you do some good things here at Ohio State, a lot of people would want you if you know you don't wind up getting the run here with the Buckeyes. Yeah, I'm just sitting here envisioning an 18-year-old, no matter how many four-star, five-star, whatever, 18-year-old running back shows up at Ohio State, like they hit really hard there. And you're a true freshman, and you're the running back in practice with tape across the top of your, you know, with your last name on it. That's an eye-opener even for a five-star kid. So um, good for him to push through that because he had to be important for him late in the year. I thought it was impressive. No, it was. It was it was pretty cool to see because the the one thing here at Ohio State, you don't really get tested on it a lot, but I have always said that whatever happens with injuries, the next guy up, I'm confident in that guy to get the job done. And Dallin Hayden didn't let any of us down in that regard. When they yep. needed to call his number, he stepped up and ran the football hard. I mean, you recruit, you recruit these guys for a reason, right? And, some guys might be way down the list and you might not think too much about them, but these recruiters, they go out and they pinpoint these dudes, you know, so they don't get everybody, but everyone that they do get, they've developed a pretty good relationship with. They're not just throwing out, you know, throwing the, the line in the water and just getting someone last second that they don't know really well. So they had something pegged with Dallin Hayden and he showed it off last year. Buckeye shows name of the show, Tim Hall's name of the host, 97.1, the fans, the station. Thank you, brother. All right, man. Talk next time. Tammy Hall. And, yeah, so they're just loaded, loaded, loaded because the guy who just went through there, all that Dallin Hayden stuff, he is a freshman. No, a – yeah, right. he's a sophomore. He's going to be a rising sophomore. So, I guess three years of eligibility left, like a running back is going to do that. But 
He's third on depth chart. I was telling the story yesterday about Roshan Johnson and the exclamation of, whoo, look at him. I said, yeah, he's the backup. He's He was their second best running back. To who? And I knew what they are going to do because they've been running tandem coverage with Bijan as well. I was like, he was the backup to that guy. Ohio State has that, except they're all still in college. Do we understand that? They're all still there. And, and they will have – when you add the running element at quarterback and then it's going to be a person advantage. Oh, what you do with the real advantage there? I don't know. Talk to a coach. Go YouTube it. Motion. That's it. It's motion from the running back. When you have a quarterback, when you have the depth at running back, you don't have to change your offense, uh, even with fatigue or injuries. Uh, so that is what maybe Devin Brown brings to the uh, offense. And it could get just incendiary because – when we like CJ Stroud, he had to run a little bit against Georgia, but when you th- like Justin Fields, that's part of what he did with CJ Stroud. It's something that you're like, okay, I watched it happen with Justin Fields. It was kind of a card. He could play an arrow in the quiver that changes stuff. No matter how gifted Stroud was or Bryce young or anybody else. There are the plays where he actually runs and gets the yards. Yeah, but he only ran for 31 yards. It's that they started counting for it. And when they started counting for it, okay, that changes your opportunity. So there you go. Uh, it's a Wednesday. We break. We wrap up next. Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Think about where they were at the beginning of last season and think about how much better they got. Well, what's Brian Kelly going to do now that he understands his personnel The expectations within the building have been clearly established. The culture has been clearly established. And the guys responded beautifully throughout the course of last year. Greg McElroy, he's got a podcast, Always College Football. He is giving his view of the landscape in Baton Rouge. And I agree with him a lot about just the overall uh, pulse of the program with Brian Kelly in charge. Chuck Oliver show on a Wednesday. We're wrapping up right now. I agree with his overall view of that, that boy, are they in really good shape and it should get even better. I, I'm, I'm going to go just the bottom line here because he's highly organized and he's very detail oriented. All of this stuff. I give 50 of those things and here's to all of them are true. And they're all better than it was with, with coach O every one of them. All right, let's talk about what really matters, the players. Because when you pair all of those improvements, whether they're little or substantial in organization, time management, objectives, all of it, when you put all that together and then you small improvements or substantial in, in so many different areas and you apply it to a really talented roster, folks, we saw Brian Kelly and the results – in South Bend. I don't know. You remember seeing a bunch of kids, little Malik neighbors running around South Bend? Because I don't. I, I really don't. He's got a bunch of kids running around Baton Rouge right now look like that. 
you know he had at Notre Dame? He had Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool just transferred to TCU. That That's the comparison. And Chase Claypool's an NFL player. And there are NFL players who should be looking around at the LSU roster going, hmm, I got to find somewhere else. Notre Dame? Yeah, okay, that's different. I can play here. It's it's a whole new set of toys to play with. Dan, how's your Wednesday? Oh, man, awesome so far. And, um, you know, I don't know if you uh, caught this, that, you know, teams have been doing the whole, hey, get exclusivity to our players. I mean, if that's cruises, if that's dinners, if that's whatever it is. And for the most part, it's been former players that you're able to get that for because what sells more than anything, especially when you're dealing with a group of high-profile people that, you know, absolutely, that's exactly what it is. Did you see what a group that uh, is a huge sponsor of Ohio State did? They did a Buckeye cruise. And not only did they do that, they did where Jim Trestle was on it, former players current players were on it as well which of course we touched on this a little bit with ingram smith and uh, you know name image and likeness and i'm not saying for every program to do a cruise but i think if nothing else in the in the age of the name image and likeness part of all of this start to think differently about how you do your off-season selling of access to your program and i think that with the collectives that is going to come into play that you will start to see when the coaches go on the road and do as i talked about on monday the chicken and green bean circuit you're going to see players that are there as part of it as well that's going to be the selling point of it is not only is kirby smart coming to valdosta georgia but Kirby Smart is coming to Valdosta, Georgia, and he is bringing along Michael Williams. He's bringing along Kendall Milton. He is bringing along current players that are going to be part of the 2023 team. Now, I'm just saying this as an example, but for the most part, it's going to be something even more that some of these collectives or maybe even to a certain point, I don't know how much they can get involved. Maybe even athletic departments are like, huh, let's do something here. Let's see if we can maybe even further build the kitty a little bit even further in terms of uh, being able to add more revenue to the organization what'd you say 80s everywhere it's like that commercial where you shake the cat food box wait a minute dan said more revenue we're in we didn't tell you what it was all right we're in yeah that's gonna happen more it's a great go hang out on the lsu cruise or the oklahoma state cruise or the illinois cruise absolutely people will do that again it's access all right wraps it up On this Wednesday, thank you, David. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for everybody involved, everybody else. I'll be back 22 hours from now. More college football conversation. Chuck Oliver Show. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President Stacy Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacy's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest 
largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.